This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. To lose. Are you ready? What do we got to lose is are what you, I'm saying. Are you done with your science experiment? I didn't even pour it yet. Uh-huh. I didn't even go down and get ice yet. Okay. That's how dedicated to the show well, I am. Well, not really. This Super Bowl Friday. That's right. I have nuggets. I'm the nugget master. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that this weekend? Yeah, it's this Sunday. Big game, Kenny. What are you making? You know what I saw? I told you guys I'm this. Not cu- I'm not going back. This is all going to be part of the show. Oh, good. Just good. So I like, this is the banter I like. No, I told you guys this, that the worse the world is, the better, the, the, the lighter the news. And somebody, I don't even know which station it was, locally had five healthy eating habits for the Super Bowl. No, it's a day of gluttony. What, are you kidding me? It's a me? day of gluttony. Don't eat healthy. That's Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores. You ready? Stupid news. Hey, you ready? Yeah, let's, I'm rolling. Let's, let's do it. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 1018, Feb 10, 2023. 49 degrees was the high on this day, a record high on this day, but you have to go back to. 1877. Climate change. Oh, I know. And it was 24 b- below on this day in 1855. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers manning Technology Corner, Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Height in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner and the keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushir. A deep thought for everyone to think about before we get to the matters of the day. Yeah. This is a great... uh, The other day I said, how come there's 57 genders but only two options for the surgery? Right? Okay. And Ishmael, he said, if you read this, call me Ishmael. Okay. He writes, I'm catching up on the podcast, and on 2-7, you made a solid point that there's 872 genders, but only two available for gender reassignment surgery. In the interest of being fact-based, you were wrong. Uh Uh-oh. For gender reassignment surgery, there aren't two options. There's only one, because you are already the other one. Oh, good point. Okay, I see see what he's saying. That's an excellent point. Thank you, Ishmael. You're already the other one. There's you, one option. Right, you got one so option. So where do you come up with these 700,000 genders? Yeah. You fired up today. Now let's go to, oh, I, just a reminder, because he's uh, such a great uh, friend of ours with his piano. Uh, Steve Anderson's playing tonight. Oh, where? At the Commodore. Love on the Hill. The Commodore is on uh, is Western Commodore? and Summit. And uh, he'll be there tonight with guests, and uh, it's going to be vocalist Jack Cassidy and Jillian Gubash, musician Nate Wilson on violin. There's a special guest tonight, Catherine Budzian. Budzian? Catherine Budzian? No, Budzian. Don't look at me. I don't know. You know her for some reason. They're a nativity family, yes. 
Talented. Yeah, no. Talented. So anyway, it's at 20 bucks. You go, they got the bar, the whole deal. It's a neat venue. Steven C. Anderson, the Garage Logic Panny, piano player tonight. Love on the Hill. Get it? Because it's a... Yeah. Love on the Hill. It's, Ain't no it's, big surprise. Because it's, you know, nearing Valentine's Day. Oh, I'm yes. sorry. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm a sounds adult. like a, a perfect way to get a low-key buzz, right? Yeah. Just yeah. kind of nice sit music. there and sip on a martini. Oh, rookie, we may be in for... A, a shocker here. What Why? happened? We lost. Did we lose Mr. T? No. No, Mr. No. T. No. no. If that's the case, somebody no. must have. No, no, no. no. What do you oh, oh, thank okay. God. Okay. Oh, I thought you, I thought you meant, you meant in, real in real life. I'm searching no. for Mr. T. No, Lawrence Tiro still lives. I don't want to hear about it. Fool, shut up, fool. Happy Valentine's Day. Don't do that. I'm yeah, sorry. I was access to the button. Yeah. I wish Let's you were get on to the day. visit to St. Cloud by Kamala Harris. I have some information. Uh, first off is Matt. Oh, shoot. Do not use my name. Nope. Well, you were talking to Ishmael. me, Ishmael. Right? You were talking He's to me. talking to you. Yeah. This guy's name is... Uh, Frank, Jim. isn't it? Frank. Damn it, you did it again. I was assigned to assist with the traffic detail of the vice president's business. I was able to take a video of the procession of vehicles not included in the video as all of the plow trucks and squad cars used to block highways and crossovers from St. Cloud to Clearwater and back into St. Cloud. One might wonder why this route was chosen, but it was a better tactical option. I saw zero electric vehicles throughout the whole ordeal, which went pretty smooth. Good. Right. I'm happy. Uh, I have from... Uh, they went to Clearwater and back well, up? Well, that must be where the flyer company is. Here's a note from Michael. My sources tell me that the gift that keeps on giving had four gas-guzzling SUVs that she used to get back and forth to her speech. Now, of course, those SUVs had to be flown in on what I think is a huge fuel-guzzling Air Force C-5, which did not spend the night and day at St. Cloud and had to fly in and out twice to support the SUVs, all of the nasty fossil fuel being used by the hypocrites to give a speech to the electric bus company. Very ironic. Uh, Chris writes, I'm, uh, no. Oh, I spoke, uh, Chris is the one who told us about... Uh, how the employees of the EV bus company were to act. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, right. Just catching up on the podcast and realized that my friend Doug the Barber nominated me to be the St. Cloud Mole observing Kamala's motorcade. Although I failed to spot her gas-guzzling parade, I was able to do some investigative work regarding her visit. A couple of nuggets that were observed from the spectacle. Good. And speaking of nugget... What do I become on this day? The Nugget Master. You are the Nugget Master. Of the Super Bowl. Of the Super I'm Bowl. the Nugget yeah, Master. Yeah, that's all to, in. You're all in. To, thanks to Tim Buck, too. Hmm. Uh, the EV bus in the backdrop had to be pushed into place because apparently they haven't completely figured out how to get the thing to actually run yet. This was verified by two separate sources. New Flyer Bus is owned by a Canadian-based company. I guess they couldn't find a U.S.-based company to celebrate, which is interesting because right up the road in Avon, Minnesota, Blattner Energy is probably the largest wind power construction company in the country. Hmm. I spoke with a well-connected political figure yesterday who said we should expect more visits in St. Cloud from Democratic leadership because of Tom Emmer's new elevation to the number two post in the Republican-controlled House as Majority Whip. They hope to unseat him in the next election. 
P.S. Can we expect the comeback of any Super Bowl nuggets this week? Yes, you can. Good luck, Chris, from St. Stephen. And we have uh, Air Force Two. Got uh, Air Force Two was a Boeing C-32, which is a modified Boeing 757. The cargo plane that hauled the vehicles, this is from Mark, was a Boeing C-17A, and it was visible at times on Flight Radar 24 app. All right. Copy that. And this one says, tell that bearded wannabe hippie farmer you got on your show to quit inviting more of you Minnesotans to our great state. Maybe those lesser Dakotans to the south want you. Thank you. A concerned North Dakota. P.S. Just because Kenny drives tractor, claims he knows what a combine looks like, and thinks he met John Deere, don't make him a farmer. I, that wasn't supposed to be in the Kamala pile. That regards Kenny's efforts to secede half the state of Minnesota to join the Dakotas. What's his name? This guy's name is Brent. Well, friendly Brent. Yeah, um, I, I've been actually thinking we just need to hit a, start a fifty-first state instead of joining one of the Dakotas. Uh, well, we have fifty-one states, don't we? Don't we have fifty-one states? No, um, no. fifty in a uh, district. Oh, excuse me, <laughs> while I forget <laughs> myself. <laughs> we have fifty. Maybe we ought to back. I was the thinking table. of Puerto Rico that always calls itself the fifty-first uh, state. Okay, Got I'm it. just gonna you well, know maybe you read the next email. DC. I don't know. Move on. Uh, let's move on to Kamala. Uh, <laughs> yeah. DC, her uh. remarks were not gaff-ridden, and I have a theory about that that I'll share with you following what you hear from our gal yesterday in St. Cloud. Is this actually played? Yes. She's walking to the stage. Come on, you can't. Eight seconds in and you're already done? Oh, look at the crowd. She's smiling. Oh, yeah, waving, pointing. She gets a nod. Oh, it's good to see everyone. Please have a seat. I'm here to announce the shift change. (laughs) Oh, it's good to be with everyone. And Mr. Vice President Wade, thank you for that introduction. Um... But really, truly, Wade, thank you. It's been great to walk around and see the work that's happening here. And it really is wonderful to be with all of you. Matt, thank you for taking me around as well. Um, And it's so good to be back in Minnesota with so many incredible leaders. I want to give a shout out to the governor, Tim Waltz. He can't be with us today. He's in Washington with a bunch of the governors who are meeting there um, for their annual meeting. But in his absence, I have to talk about him. Can you stop? Um, I'm out. Stop. I'm only hearing out of one ear. That's okay. I was going to warn you ahead of time that the audio we have, for some reason, all of the outlets only had it in the one channel. I've got it in both here. Huh. Well, continue. She's about to speak about walls. Yes. Can you fast forward a little? To the president and our administration, and in particular, a champion for our climate and for communities. Uh, In fact, as you all know, earlier this week, he signed a law that will make Minnesota's electricity 100% carbon-free by 2040. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. So to Governor Waltz, to the leaders who are here, um, the leaders of the state legislature, the general who is here, and to all of the activists and organizers who fought for years to achieve these goals, congratulations. 
and thank you for all that you are doing right here in Minnesota to lead our nation forward. Well, so leading. on Tuesday, nice. our President Joe Biden spoke to the nation, and he declared that the state of our union is strong. And he noted that over the past two years, America has created over 12 million jobs. Unemployment has fallen to the lowest level that it's been in 50 years. All right, can it? I can't take and it. Since the jobs weren't created, they were resumed. And in a lot of cases, um, people had to go get second jobs, or in some cases had to leave taking care of their kids to get jobs because of the cost of living skyrocketing. But they, but no, no, no. He said the State of the Union is strong, Joe. Mm -hmm. So that must mean it's true. Well. How you doing? What you going to do when the well runs dry? The uh, <laughs> It is a big deal to go carbon free by 20. What is, is it? 2040. 40, yeah. And again, it's a big deal because it it's it's a ray of hope. Because we're apparently these people believe we'll still be here. That's a good sign, yeah. But really what uh, her emphasis on the leaders uh, further removes her from just the man on the street. She's uh, very proud to be a member of the the third rail. And I, I hope, and I don't have much hope for a lot of Minnesotans to realize this, but many people in the country do realize it. And that is, this is nothing more than a new wave of an attempt to completely control the population of the world. This has nothing to do with the climate. I've been saying that for 15 years. I hope you're awakening to that. I hope you really are. And, and, and the irony, of course, is coming on the knowledge many people have had, we're just getting onto it with the idea that we'll never run out of oil. We've got all the oil. The earth right. is an oil-producing machine. I got another note on that from Scott Mashura from in Montana. And he said, uh, yesterday you were discussing the supply of fossil fuels in Mother Earth. I had a conversation with a guy, and to save Kenny the question as to who, his name is John Ardell. He's a Scottish fellow I used to cook for down on Sanibel Island, at the t and at the time was Exxon's top geologist. I was cooking for a group of guys down there during the BP pipe break in the Gulf. It had just happened and BP was telling the world it would be capped and fixed within the week. He said, not a chance. It'll take more like 90 to 100 days, and if you recall, that's almost exactly what it was. The conversation of petroleum and oil on the planet came up. He calmly and matter-of-factly said there is plenty of oil on this planet. Humans will never run out. He also said that what no one is talking about is how we are going back and exploring what we thought were tapped out pockets under the earth, only to find them refilled, so to speak. Huh. That piggybacks on what we learned yesterday about oil being produced abiotically. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. explain it to Gabe. Gabe challenged me on that. Yeah. Back to Kamala, she didn't really commit any gaffes, but she, no. she stayed in her golden book level of maturity. There was really nothing said there. This was a completely, as all political performances are in either party, 
especially the days after a State of the Union address. This was purely political theater that had nothing to do with anything. The, to, to corroborate your opinion about this being ideology, case in point, the new, this, this news site that I pulled this clip from, mm-hmm. you know how they'll have on, on their websites that'll have the subcategories. So, for instance, news, U.S. news, politics, world. So there's these other things you can click on. Oh, I, I'm interested in what happens to be going on in health news right now. Mm-hmm. One of the tabs on there is climate change, mm-hmm. and I've seen mm-hmm. that on various other news sites. Where now that's the, its own subdivision of the news. Mm-hmm. Well, there's not much to be mined there. Uh, the VP came to uh, to the state and uh, was here briefly, and patted some workers on the back up at the American Flyer Company, which turns out apparently is Canadian, and. Uh, didn't the Metro Transit have to put in a can a, one of the electric buses they bought that didn't work? Oh, yeah, no. they, pu- they pulled them. Yeah, yep. it didn't work. But they peter out about halfway through the route? I, I don't know, but I, I think that uh, I, I, I just remain uh, of the belief that uh, electric is not the way to go, but it's, it's part of this movement to gain the power and to control the power, and you're being sold on the idea that it's being done for the earth. It is not. It's harmful to the earth. It's harmful to the children who have to do the mining. And the the same administration that wishes desperately for you to go to electric is preventing any mining for the stuff here. Mm. You know, and again, that's a tough one. We all love our boundary waters. Uh, But where are you going to allow it? Where are you going to allow the mining? Got to draw Just let line. China do it all and sure. become further beholden to them? Yes. What's wrong with that? Yeah. What a bunch of B as in B, S as in S. It's just dreadful. It's just dreadful. And uh, she was here and she's gone now. And It is great. That, let's when, move on. That news clip, though, when she's speaking, it's a crowd of, I would say, I don't know, 100, 150 well, the people. people who work there, I guess. But the crowd... Every single one of them, because the camera is in the very back of the room, mm-hmm. every single one of them has their cell phone up because they've got to chronicle the event. Well, they, they, we learned that they were, they were schooled pretty well how to behave, and mm-hmm. I'm sure they would have behaved anyway. It's the vice president. Okay. And schools. Well, the vice president is in your house. Gestapo. You're going to be polite and, sure. and what have you. Yeah, and, that's uh, a big deal. And she stood there with that grin, nodding yeah. her points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Howard writes, let me get this straight. Check this out. We just went through an incident involving a Minnesota state-run program that allowed taxpayers to be defrauded out of $250 million. Our Democrat-controlled Minnesota legislature just passed a bill for a food program that ensure school kids get breakfast and lunch regardless of their socioeconomic status. This program will be run by the state of Minnesota. The same state that blew it on the food fraud. What could go wrong? Mm. It's a tragedy that politicians can't be sued for incompetence, stupidity, or at the very least, indifference. They are utterly indifferent to those of us who base our decisions on history, fact, logic, and reason. It is becoming increasingly evident that only interests they serve are their own, and it is done under the guise of social justice. They are repugnant. Still fighting for the center. He's referring to the House of Reps voted 70 to 58 yesterday to pass a bill, House File 5, which would institute a universal, 
no-cost meals across the entire state. The bill now heads to the Minnesota Senate. If the Senate votes to pass the bill, Governor Walls will surely sign it as one of his priorities. It's hard to learn when you're hungry. The DFLers are acting today to help make sure Minnesota's children aren't hungry at school, but that they are ready to learn, Speaker Melissa Hortman said. When kids come to school in the morning, all of them should be able to go to the cafeteria and get breakfast to start off the day, and at lunch, everyone should get a meal. DFLers are working to ensure our children have every opportunity to succeed. Walls' administration estimates the proposal will cost... Three hundred and eighty-nine million wow. over the next two years, and wow. four hundred and twenty-four million in the two years after that. Yes, you in the back. Um, I have two children that attend elementary school, mm-hmm. and they usually bring a lunch with them every day. This program already exists for kids that need a meal, mm-hmm. that need breakfast. But it's, this it's, is for everybody, isn't that's it? That's right. But what I'm saying, Kenny, is there's already programs in place where let's say poor little Billy or little Susie or whatever they identify as these days if they're if they want breakfast it's available to them at no charge if they need lunch it's available to them at no charge well, you're you're missing an important ingredient that does not reflect equity oh, for Christ's sake it doesn't reflect equity i suppose and and you don't want to shame some kid who can't afford the damn lunch so therefore, you get Muffy from Lake Minnetonka is always but also going to get that's, lunch. But that's my point. No one knows whether or not that kid is on the program or not. Well, but that's the reason. You, no, you're right. I'm just saying that th- this is nonsense. And how much of that will be stolen? Because the people Walls has running things aren't very good at it. They're not very good no. at running things. No, they're not. So how much of this will be stolen? That's an outrageous amount of money. $389 million to feed the kids for the next two years. Why does it shoot up to $424 million in the two years after that? Well, and how many people will this employ? And how many uh, fraud opportunities will this present? How much of the surplus is paying for this? I, I don't know, and but then I how much? Are, quite a bit. And then how much are our taxes going to go up after that runs out? This is one of those things we'll be paying for perpetually. Well, this, this state might seriously struggle to recover after another Walls administration. Right. After another Walls four years. So when you break that down... Oh, wait, what, and what will he care? He'll have four or five, six public pensions to retire right, on. Right, right. Divided by 12, excuse me, divided by two. Why does it go up 424 million? Two 424 million. I did it by 12 per month, but there's not 12 months of a school year. There's only there's only nine. There is if you're fraudulent. That's true. But that's <laughs> $21 million every month for this program. Man, you kids, you better wow. be eating well. That can't be right. I did divided by two, which was $194 wow. million. Those are wow. expensive chicken nuggets. And huh? I did nine months, right? Yeah. Because June, July, and August, we don't have school. That's $21.6 million every month for this state. And who's going to handle that? The Department of Education, which already has been hoodwinked on a quarter of a billion dollar food fraud, wow. and whose leaders slipped away conveniently enough without ever having to talk to the public. And the other thing is, you can't even t- tabulate that based upon each kid that's enrolled in public school, because not every kid in public school is going to be part of this. But we're talking some really high quality meals here, right? 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, you ain't talking hash. Right. This this isn't just a cup of mixed vegetables and yeah. some mystery filet. meat, right? Spanish rice. We're getting the real Spanish rice. Spanish rice is fantastic. What the hell was Spanish rice? Oh, I love well, Spanish it's rice. rice, and it's uh, red. Spanish. I got some ingredients in it. Hola. Get some stuff please. in there. Yeah. Can you hold, please? Right. I have hold to this. eat my rice. rice yeah, take a break if you want. Give me the sign like that. You know you can wash down that large meal the state's providing you with good, clean water. No, not that, Joe. That would be a disgusting way to wash that down. Whoa. Hofferman Water can provide that nice, clean water for you and your family. I'm a living example. I've been a proud customer of Hofferman for one, two, three, four, six years now. And I love my Hofferman Water system. You will, too. Hofferman Water offers sales, service, and rental options for Connecticut water treatment systems. That includes water softeners, iron rust and odor filtration systems, and drinking water systems. That new system from Connecticut will cut down on that salt usage, and it's also going to protect your appliances. You get that new system and your showers are better, so is your laundry, and of course, your drinking water. So, do this. Get in touch with my friends at Hofferman Water today. 952-894-4040. That's 952-894-4040. Or just look them up online. You can see every system they have to offer on their website, which is HoffermanWater.com. Hofferman Water has been proudly serving the state of Minnesota for over 50 years. Tell them you heard about them here on the Garage Logic Podcast. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. You know, this week we welcomed the Minnesota Masonic Charities. We've been learning a little bit about these guys. Did you know that the Masons of Minnesota have been operating a beautiful nursing home in South Bloomington for more than 100 years? You probably didn't know that. From its beginning in 1918, a purchase of a 271-acre estate owned by Marion W. Savage, the owner of the famous pacing horse, Dan Patch. Dan Patch. Dan Patch was trained on that campus. The compassionate care has continued into the 21st century with its continuum of care community. Throughout their long history, Minnesota Masonic Home has provided a beautiful and comforting home for thousands of Minnesotans. But wait, there's more. They recently learned that Newsweek magazine rated the Minnesota Masonic Home the best, yes, the best, the 2023 number one living community for seniors in the state of Minnesota. Now that's a badge of honor. Garage Logic has a history of working with champions, and Minnesota Masonic Home is proud to be in that good company. For more information, go to mnmasonichomes.org, mnmasonichomes.org. I can see it right there. Rank number one, Minnesota Masonic Home Care in Bloomington. And they've got 214 beds, and they've got a wonderful, wonderful people behind them. Check them out online, mnmasonichomes.org. Yeah, you guys, we're proud to partner with you. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for uh, hopping on Garage Logic, and I can't wait to tell you more next week about Minnesota Masonic Charities. Let's turn to Angie Craig for a moment, shall we? Okay. Because uh, I've detected something. What you got, Holmes? And I don't think I'm off base. It took till the fourth pair. She was hit in an elevator. She's okay. Uh, it turns out it was some homeless guy who uh, tried to attack her in an elevator at her apartment building in Washington, D.C., and she, to her credit, she fought the guy off, called 911, bing, bang, boom. Yep. It took until the fourth paragraph to hear this. 
There was no evidence that the assault was politically motivated. Okay. We didn't think there was, uh, Nick Cole, her chief of staff. We didn't think it was politically motivated. Yeah, that didn't occur to me. Angie, what you dealt with was the real life that dozens and dozens and dozens of women in Minneapolis and St. Paul have experienced in the last year. And here's what I'm noting. We'll continue to read. House Majority Majority Leader Hakeem Jeffries said in a statement that he asked the House Sergeant-at-Arms and Capitol Police to work with Craig, her wife Cheryl Green, and their sons to ensure their safety. Although bruised, Representative Craig still took part in House votes later in the day while in our nation's capital and at home in Minnesota. While we... We will be there for Angie in any way that she needs in the aftermath of this very difficult situation, Jeffrey said. Were you there for all the women in the Twin Cities who get hammered like this every day in broad daylight? Because you see what they're driving at here? There'll be a test here. There's going to be a test. Craig, who was elected to a third term in November, lives in Prior Lake, rents an apartment near Washington Union Station. Uh, Angie is tough, man. She voted yesterday. Angie's tough as nails, and she immediately got back to the work and voted on the House floor. Tweeted, Minnesota, I'm reading from the Star Tribune, uh, tweeted Minnesota uh, Governor Tim Walz, who is in Washington. I'm glad to have met with her this morning to hear she's doing well. I'm glad she is, too. A Metropolitan Police Department report said Craig saw an individual in the lobby of her apartment acting erratic if he was under the influence. Craig said good morning to the man as she entered the elevator to go to her apartment. He followed her into the elevator and began to randomly do push-ups. Let me stop right there. If the door to the elevator was still open... Yeah. Uh, get the hell out of the elevator, right. Angie. Right. Yeah. I'm not yeah, riding you don't any, know anyone with anyone doing push-ups. But you don't know that the elevator door was open. I don't know that. Yeah. Uh, police no, said, but when you're standing there and the homeless guy follows you in, get, you get turn, out of the elevator. You turn on your heel and but leave. But see, they don't know real life. They yeah. don't know it. Right. He then reportedly punched her chin with his fist and grabbed her by the neck. Police said... Craig defended herself by tossing hot coffee at the assailant. Well, that's good. He fled before officers arrived. The case was under investigation. I was shocked and horrified to hear that Representative Angie Craig was assaulted this morning. It's a relief to hear that the injuries sustained by Representative Craig are not dire, and I wish her a speedy recovery. DFL Party Chair Ken Martin said in a statement, Well, Ken, you're among the phonies I'm about to salute here in a moment. I am grateful the D.C. police responded quickly to the situation, and I hope the assailant will be swiftly brought to justice. There is a thin veneer here, uh, and it's not so much in this Star Tribune story, but it was on. It, it, it's pretty much everywhere you heard traditional news gathering efforts yesterday, nightly news, Washington Post, whatever you wanted to go to. There's a thin veneer that is screaming to say, we are politicians and we're under attack. Hmm. No, you're not. You're not under attack. You dealt with uh, you dealt with the kind of people that everyday Americans are dealing with all the time, right. and they desperately want us to believe 
that they're a, they're a royalty of sorts. Ah, uh, you just stole my word. <laughs> Dang it. They're a royalty. I've been waiting of, to use that. They're a royalty of sorts, and they they uh, should never have to suffer these kinds of indignities and and basically they they were just itching to say it was because she's a liberal democrat right. yep. which isn't the case nope. by any stretch of the imagination and i'm not suggesting angie saying this right it's 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 that veneer it's the that haymakers say, it's, oh it's it's the combination of capital security yep. walls the head of the dfl party yep. and all of the media that have been you know hakeem jeffries yeah and everybody that's been stroking her since this happened and like you mentioned briefly do you think they would do this for any one of the people that voted for them living here in Minnesota. No, and they're of and, course not. and and they take no responsibility for the impact they've had on the American judicial system over the last 25 years right. that has resulted in more and more people attacking people who get on elevators. Oh, I I'm willing to What's, bet it doesn't even occur to them. No. Uh, so keep that in mind euphorians and people in liberal lakes and diversityville when you read these stories what you're really being asked to believe is that the royalty was offended that they 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 encountered an indignity that should absolutely not befall them well bs they're just like us when they're reminded that they're just like us mm. it, when well, they they pretend they are during uh, election cycles. Right, you're you're not like us. You live in a rarefied, special atmosphere, and uh, occasionally the real world breaks through, like it did yesterday with Craig. Now, again, uh, Angie Craig has not said any of this. I'm not putting words in her mouth, but the tribe she lives yes. in has made floated it, that trial balloon. Has made it desperately clear that they want you to believe that what they stand for and their nobility and their fight for the American public has resulted in them being threatened. B.S. You know what's clear here? She she clearly would have been much safer riding that Jeep to Cottage Grove. Yeah. And Angie, how often do you ride light rail when you're in town? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Come on. Uh, and again, I got to keep saying it so euphorians who read with their lips moving don't <laughs> don't get me wrong. Angie's not saying any of this. She she just said, yeah, some homeless guy got on the elevator. I yep. threw coffee in his face and I got him. So bang, bang, boom. She's OK. Well, we sure are lucky Jason Lewis wasn't uh, didn't get elected because he would have run out like a chicken, you yeah. know? Yeah. I don't even know. Does he drink coffee? I don't know. He would have had to have a hot. He probably does push-ups, though. So that's my speech on Angie Craig. Uh, well, it's, it's always actually, terrible to get attacked, but I know people who have been. Matthew, and I haven't heard uh, a word from you, Angie, Such, or anybody. Such yeah. Matthew brought up a good point. What if? I mean, do you want to play what if? What if it was um, Jason or some other oh, Republican? Okay, let's play what if. I don't mm. think great sentiments would have been expressed. I don't right, think that right. uh, Hakeem Jeffries would have rubbed his hands together in anguish. Well, Lewis know. would have popped him in the face, I bet. I would hope. I would hope. Well, he did have that ad where he was shooting the gun. But, Angie, <laughs> you now have joined the world of the rest of us who now have to tell the women in our world, yep. your head's got to be on a swivel, baby. 24 hours a 24 day. 24 hours a day. You better watch where you are. Watch where you park. Watch who you get on an elevator with. Watch everything. That's the real world, Angie. And again, I, I keep saying, Angie didn't bring this up. It's the people around her who are 
Well, they take these opportunities to create the impression that the good efforts they make on behalf of the American people uh, well, result in them being under attack. No, you got some fruitcake who didn't even know who you were. Walls's statement sounded like he had stopped and visited a friend that was in a high-speed right. crash involving a semi, and he barrel-rolled and ended up in a lake and was hanging on by a thread. and It was touch-and-go for yeah. a while. Yeah. It was just over the top And I'm glad you're fine, Angie. And, and uh, I think she had a little bruise on her cheek there when she was doing some stuff. But when you made the comparison with Lewis, I was about ready to say it wouldn't have happened because obviously she was targeted because she was female. Because this chicken-ass homeless guy... Yeah wasn't going to go after some, you know, we see that all the time in Minneapolis and then St. Paul. Yeah. And then he strengthened up for it. He was doing some push-ups. Right. <laughs> and then once he got his push-ups done, yeah. then he could head the Let's power. Let's go. Well, I'm glad she fought the guy off. But don't fall for the BS, people. That third rail is so entrenched and so defined in their minds that it's uh, Wouldn't this unfathomable to it, them. Again, not to place blame on Angie because she didn't deserve this to happen, but isn't this also part of... What these types of policies from the left have have led to? Oh, that's what Joe brought up. I yeah, said, I said. and nobody's going to bring that up no. like, because it doesn't even occur to them. Yeah, you're, no, you're right, Chris. The fact that when we try to clear out a homeless encampment in, <laughs> right. in, in, in right. the city here, it's met with protests and everything else. Well, what do you want people to do? Here? Or two fifteen-year-olds hijack a car. They're back on the street by four p.m. Right, and and uh, that's you, Angie. That's you and your crowd. And uh, oh, if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, Joe, go read the comments on uh, the the stores closing in North Minneapolis with Aldi and uh, Walgreens. These idiots have zero clue of reality. Well, Aldi's closed because their lease expired. Well, why well, do you think they didn't renew their lease? There's two reasons they gave that their lease was expiring, but they, from what I understand, they haven't been told they can't rent there. And number two, they wanted to do some renovations to accommodate their bigger product line. But I think underlying, and they're not saying uh, what they're not saying, is exactly what Chris is trying to say. Yeah. Too much theft? Oh, my God. Just It's, it's, it's right in the heart of it. Yeah. Not only that, there's active crime rings that operate in their parking lots. Mm-hmm. Walgreens reported $150,000 worth of theft in last year alone. Mm-hmm. And plus... People don't want to work there. Why would you want to deal with that as a job? Mm-hmm. Well, all all the criminal element does is make life hard for a mom who's trying to run the street. One hundred percent agree. You know, one hundred percent agree. Do we have to pay reparations to carjackers in the event that comes up? I, I don't want to pay any reparation money to a carjacker. Well, I don't either. If yeah. some people get their way, maybe we will. Let's move on to our. You know, we completely missed it yesterday, and I'm not interested enough to go back, but I bet they were beauties. We got so tied up yesterday, we never got to the little guy, Fry, yeah. was, uh, he, he announced his five priorities for Minneapolis. Right. Do you go. still have that, Kenny? Um, I don't know what they were. I forgot to read it. Five I, whole priorities. Five see. priorities for Minneapolis. More bike lanes. I don't It's probably in there. It was Let's on see. yesterday's front page, and I uh, I think one of you could find it real quickly. I don't know. You'll have to find it on the Internet. I don't have it on the I'm going to pull it up right now. Was it in the strip? Yeah, it was the front page of yesterday's Star Tribune. 
Fry's five priorities for the city of Minneapolis, and you could say this will be true the closer you get to, to every city in buildings. this uh, every city in this country five with the tallest building. Uh, a, a couple of them weren't bad. I don't know any of them. That's Mayor why I was, Jacob Fry lays out his five. There pro- they are. Okay, hang on. Now just find me the five. Are uh, they bullet pointed? Do we on, have to read the whole on. damn I gotta, thing? I got oh, it. Here we though. go. Here we, we go. Have to muddle through it. Point one. Yep. Housing and homelessness. Okay. The number you want the definition or you just want the bullet points here? Just the bullet points. Number oh. two, public safety. Okay. You already got about 15 people. We don't even know who's in charge. Okay. N- number three. Three. Climate change. See, that shouldn't be on the list. Uh, right. Number four. Yep. Economic inclusion and recovery. Well, that's that can't. That you can, that's a class you can't flunk. That, that, that sounds like reparations I need to, to I need to read this one. It's just a paragraph. Economic inclusion recovery. Initiatives using city and federal funds are underway or in development to help black, indigenous, and people of color-owned businesses and oh, entrepreneurs right, right. own their own businesses and real estate. Okay. Fry also said he wants to prepare the city for potential full legalization of marijuana, including <laughs> licensure and planning for a smooth transition that city is for so small shot. business owners with a focus on supporting communities most impacted by the failed policies of prohibition. <gasps> Number five on the five bullet points. This is his fifth priority. <laughs> Good governance. Oh, my God. Got no shot at that. As part of adapting the executive branch of City Hall to the new strong mayor structure, Fry said he wants to return the city's workforce and basic city services to pre-pandemic levels with an eye on racial equity. Well, well, in the meantime... (laughs) Back at the ranch. It's funny. I try to conjure up an opinion on this, try to work myself up into a tizzy about some of these points, and then I remember... Uh, all I have to do is look out the, the out the window, and I, I see nothing but fields and trees. Oh, so, yes, I, you in the back. I don't care. We glossed don't over. Care. We glossed over a big one with the yes. climate change bullet points. Yes. I'm so sorry, but I have. I must do this what to you. What a shame. With more details to be rolled out this year, Fry wants the city to focus on cutting greenhouse gas emission with a specific focus on reducing racial disparities, according to a statement from his office. The twenty no 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 oh no 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 the twenty twenty three budget includes five hundred thousand dollars for businesses to convert to solar power and improve energy efficiency and seven hundred thousand dollars combined with two million to three million in federal funds there are no such thing as federal funds that's your money to expand electric vehicle charging stations imagine a globe everyone. The Imagine Bus Company. Everyone imagine a globe. (laughs) Okay. All right. Now take a hat pin. Okay. And just put the pin on the Nicollet Mall. Okay. On the globe. Right there. There's a hat pin on the Nicollet Mall. Yeah. Which would be the center of downtown Minneapolis where they want to be carbon free. Yeah. Does anyone with, with even a half a brain think that that would make any difference to the world? If Minneapolis heated its business buildings with solar. You're, there's your hat pin on Minneapolis. There's the big 
big globe. That's okay. a big globe. There's a little, there's a little pinprick right there yep. in downtown Minneapolis. I see a red. You red think one. that air is going to? That air is just going to stay right there. You're going to create, you're going to create air with no carbon in it, and that's just going to stay right we there. We got clean air because no there's wind. no wind. <laughs> Wait, you want wind though? Ain't going nowhere. You want wind for for the windmill? Right. But it can't be any wind. And you bitch about the sun because it makes things too hot, but you need the sun for the solar panels. Well, that's what it's Gates is going to do. He's going to spray that crap in the air. And None then gonna... of these people can hide the fact that this has nothing to do with the environment. Nothing. Because it doesn't even stand 30 seconds of scrutiny. The air over Minneapolis right now just changed. Oh. Right. And we didn't even pause. <laughs> we didn't even pause, Rook. Well, it just changed again. Changed again. Now it's, like, it's over St. Paul. We're oh, it's like a oh, we got Minneapolis here. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, just change again. It went out of St. Paul. Um, in the meantime, yes. Well, I'm, I was looking at his bullet point of housing and homelessness, and and while I agree with him, it's a problem. What they fail to address is why it's a problem, because their their comeback to that is affordable housing, affordable housing, affordable, affordable to housing. Home. But the problem that the likes of Jacob Fry or Ilhan Omar or whoever, it's it's a drug addiction problem. This right. has nothing to do with the fact that Burt Homeless Guy can't afford a $1,500 rent payment. That's not the problem. The problem is Burt's hooked on... He just shouldn't spend the 1500 on fentanyl. Correct. In the meantime, the city of Minneapolis... Yeah... In in the city of Minneapolis, (laughs) the responsibility of clearing sidewalks after a winter storm falls on the shoulders of home and property owners. But a new push by Our Streets Minneapolis is aiming to change that. Ah, You know our friends at Our Streets Minneapolis. They just work on this. A long held back breaking winter chore. This is Fox 9. Whoever wrote this should be have honey put on them and let ants crawl over them. Cool. A long, I'm just kidding. That's Who wrote this? Harsh. Nick, I'm kidding. Uh, a long-held, back-breaking winter chore might not be a concern for Minneapolis residents much longer. Because you shouldn't have any concerns. As city council members are proposing an analysis to consider how a citywide sidewalk plowing and snow removal program might work. Mm. The Minneapolis City Council's Public Works and Infrastructure Committee will consider a proposal during its Feb 16 meeting. That's next week. The city will seek a comprehensive analysis of how a sidewalk plowing and snow removal program could be fully implemented by January of 2027. So they only need five years of planning. Huh? In short, shoveling sidewalks after snowstorms would now be the city's responsibility and no longer be subject to ticketing should the walkway remain unclear 72 hours later. The analysis will provide fiscal data of a three-year phased-in municipal sidewalk plowing and snow removal program that encompasses the entire city sidewalk network. They've expanded then. It would include a breakdown of current and projected staffing that might be able to handle the task. The program would begin with a 298-mile pedestrian priority network 
right. in 2024 that yep. expand to include the entire 2,000-mile-plus wow. city sidewalk network by 2027. Wow. The analysis will seek to include potential costs for equipment and maintenance, labor costs, staffing, and training needs. How exciting. I can't wait until this is implemented. Recommendations <laughs> will be presented to the committee no later than March 30 of this year. Snow-covered sidewalks have long posed mobility issues for the elderly and those with disabilities. Previously, nonprofit organizations such as Our Streets Minneapolis helped residents overcome the icy burden. I doubt that. I doubt it. Based on what I know of the members of our streets, Minneapolis, I'm having a hard time seeing any of them out there with a shovel. Oh, no, 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 no. They're not going to do the dirty work. Come on, Joe. Somebody's going to do it for them? Come on. If Minneapolis is going to become a truly walkable city year-round, we need to do a much better job of shoveling sidewalks. Our streets, Minneapolis Executive Director Ashwat Nirian told Fox 9 in March of 2022. The analysis would also include an assessment of current snow and ice removal programs and contractual programs currently utilized for snow removal. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine? Imagine. Joe, this is going to be the biggest disaster oh, God, to yes. ever hit the city. Or as Tom writes, they'll have to hire a consulting company to do a study and form a committee to select a commission to have meetings to propose a plan. <laughs> <laughs> so are they going to be city workers or are they going to contract with independent contractors? They will have to hire a consulting firm to do a study and form a committee to select a commission to have meetings to propose a plan. No, I, I'm... I, we don't know. And they don't know. But this will be more money from the taxpayer's pocket flushed down the drain. Oh, God, I can't wait till this happens. This is going to be so awesome. It's going to be such a colossal failure. It's just going to be awesome. And all you're going to awesome. hear is money being flushed down the drain. People oh, are want. not, oh, my God, it's going to take them forever to get 2,000 miles. Is mm -hmm. that what you said? Mm -hmm. <laughs> all I want, and I don't want much. All I want is the cheap-ass euphorians to buy some salt. How long does it take to shovel the average drive or sidewalk in Minneapolis? Um, Kenny, for you, you had uh, a sidewalk, right? Ten we, minutes. we did front and back. Yeah, you know, 35 minutes to 40 minutes on a heavy snowfall. Light snowfall, 10, 15 minutes. Is that really that much to ask? Did anyone in St. Paul get a ticket? I mean, they always threaten these tickets. Has anyone ever actually gotten a ticket for not shoveling their sidewalk? I, I do know somebody that did in Minneapolis. Because in St. Paul, you you could you could make a billion dollars on fines. Yeah, yeah, you could. I thought a council Tangle member Tangle was Tangle wasn't a council member repeatedly fined. Yeah, or was Lisa, that for grass? No, that was that fruitcake that went to Duluth. Yeah. Was it Bender? Bender. Lisa Bender. Yes. Bender. <laughs> um. Someone just sent in the Care 11 story to the free school meals. Yeah. Did you see what their headline is? I didn't. Um, and this is from Bill. Care 11, tw uh, headline, the bill to provide universal free school meals could save families from 800 to $1,000 per year on food costs if approved, to which he said, 
Who's paying for the free food? <laughs> well, not only could it save them eight hundred to a thousand, which they'll need for their increased taxes. Right. But is that what this is part of? I don't know. What it's part of is that we're in the grips of really bad leadership and we're not gonna get out of it anytime soon. This Joe, this snow shoveling fiasco mm-hmm. could be what finally turns Minneapolis around and turns them from democratic policies. Because you know how long winter is in the city. It just goes on. It goes on forever. (laughs) Cabin fever kicks in, what, the end of January. Yep. And when these people are met by this disaster and they get a big 12-incher in January or February and their walks aren't shoveled for three days, Mm -hmm. that could change things. That, then you're going to see some real outrage. But, well, you think so, Kenny, or will the blame just be placed on somebody else? Chris, I'm just killing time here. I couldn't care less. <laughs> all, all I want, I, ju- I just want this to fail miserably. I so I, re- I really want it to happen. Eat popcorn and watch it fail miserably. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I got I'm your just... cabin fever right here. Oh, what do you got? What do you got? Get ready for your first round of the 2023 Minnesota golf season, all while saving money and nabbing a great ticket benefits the 2023 choice bank minnesota golf show returns to the minneapolis convention center friday feb 24 we'll be there through sunday feb 26 uh this is a live podcast will be there of food beverages the 19th hole lounge great deals on equipment balls t-shirts you name it shoes get lessons tickets are on sale now for for six bucks this is getting better by the day. Let's go. Tickets are on sale right now for just $6 with the promo code GOLFER. and includes 14 free rounds from TwinCitiesGolf.com. Hey, you'd go to the golf show if you had what I have. What do you got? Six, Six bucks. bucks. Yeah. Hey, get a pencil and paper. Six bucks. Go to TwinCitiesGolf.com. That's a $500 value plus a coupon for 20 bucks off at PGA Tour Superstore. Go to minnesotagolfshow.com, presented by Choice Bank, and thanks in part to Nelson Marine, Waggle Golf, X-Golf Minnesota, Lift Bridge Brewing, and your select Buick GMC dealerships. Uh, now, when you go to, you guys, you computer people, help me this. Help me with this. Okay. So when you go to minnesotagolfshow.com, There'll be a place to enter a promo code. There you go, yes. And the promo code is GOLFER. You get a ticket to the event for 6 bucks, and you're getting 13 free rounds of golf when the snow melts. I can't uh, offer you a better deal than That's that. That's a steal. Neither can the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show offer you a better deal than that. It's all at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Hey GLers, it's Reavers here, and you've heard me talk about my relationship with Josh Arnold for quite some time now, and the reason I advocate that you give Josh a call is simple. Well, actually, it's two reasons. Trust and results. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions. As he says, past results do not guarantee future returns. While that is true, Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments, and you can trust Josh to make sure that you are not paying more in fees than you are selling in returns. Yes, that is more common than you would think. So do yourself a favor 
favor by booking a 48-minute free, yes, free consultation that has absolutely no obligation. Call Josh today at 952-925-5608. That number, once again, is 952-925-5608. You will be glad you did. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Chris Reavers is a paid endorser. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Uh, so I'm assuming you have your uh, mechanic right there in the vehicle with you? No, 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 not actually, not Jim Bob from the station. I mean a can of seafoam deep creep and a can of seafoam engine treatment. That's what they are, mechanics in a can. Keep them right there in the vehicle. The engine treatment's going to keep that motor happy, running strong, lubricating, stabilizing fuel, doing it all. And, of course, the deep creep, anything that uh, screeches or creaks or gets sticky, hit it with the deep creep. That's doors, uh, tailgates. Oh, you know what else uh, deep creep works great on? Firearms. Next time you're cleaning your guns, keep a can of deep creep ready. It's our local company, and it's available all over the globe and truly a couple of wonderful miracle products, Seafoam. I'm reading from the uh, Sahan Journal, which is a uh, Somali-run newspaper. They've done some interesting work in the last few years. If I'm not mistaken, they were the yes. outfit that broke the Hamlin story of the Muslim student who was offended because even having been forewarned, she saw some depiction of Muhammad in a class. Didn't they also break the food fraud story? I believe so. No, not food fraud. Yeah, food fraud, daycare fraud. Yeah, Uh, Good for them. And this is a story in the Sahan Journal dated Feb 8, so just two days ago, by Becky Dernbach. So uh, I, I must credit Sahan Journal with this. We have Hamlin back in the news. What are we doing? Well, it's the second time in recent months that Muslim students at uh, Hamlin have raised objections to art displayed. Uh, Both artists, born 700 years apart, have roots in Persian culture. At Hamlin University, a student objected to a medieval painting of the Prophet Muhammad. At McAllister, students criticized contemporary depictions of Muslim women. There's two colleges in play now. Interesting. Both liberal colleges. The dispute at McAllister, an elite college with a focus on internationalism, has so far played out differently than a similar controversy at Hamlin. Hamlin made the national headlines, of course, after a Muslim student objected to a 14th century manuscript depicting the prophet shown during an art history class to Professor Erica Lopez Prater had provided verbal and written content warnings for Muslim students. Hamlin chose not to renew her contract, sparking outcry. The professor sued the university for defamation and breach of contract. Uh, Hamlin professors voted voted overwhelmingly to ask the university president to resign. Uh, What did I just read about Prater's lawsuit? Uh, That's on a separate story on the Sahan Journal. Okay. And uh, you have to be a, I'm, it's it's above me. It's, I think she wants it in a different court. Yeah, in is it Ramsey County? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Ramsey County Court instead of um, federal court. Mm-hmm. So they served a new complaint. Well, we learn more about 
the painting the Muslim student objected to at him. No, I'm sorry. We're going to go now to McAllister in a new controversy. Okay. <clears throat> at McAllister, students objected to images in an art, in an art exhibition by Teravat Talpasand, a contemporary feminist Iranian-American artist based in Oregon. Reavers, what are you reading? The article that you're reading. Oh. Some sculptures Stop. and drawings in the... <laughs> me too, Sorry. Me too, Stop by the way, Joe. Along. Holy I'm crap. following along. All right, great, great. I have a ruler up, and I'm just bringing it down with every I'm line. playing Tetris. Some sculptures and drawings in the exhibit depict exposed bodies of Muslim women, women wearing hijabs or niqabs, whatever, niqabs. The college responded by closing the exhibit for a weekend holding a community conversation, wow. temporarily shrouding the gallery in black curtains, and then reopening the exhibit with a content warning and frosted glass wow. on some of the gallery windows. In its response, McAllister attempted to balance care for students, respect for diverse voices, and artistic expression. The Law Warshaw Gallery Reopened the day after a short pause, said McAllister College in an emailed statement this week. During this time, we had several conversations with students, faculty, and staff to consider multiple perspectives from Muslim communities on campus, worked with the artists, and supported gallery staff. We also prepared the gallery to prevent unintentional or non-consensual viewing of certain works and added a content warning. Still, McAllister said the art would stay up. What in God's name is non-consensual viewing? That's when you see something accidentally. Non-consensual. I've like, never heard of that either. Remember, you just can't uh, unsee it. Remember that day we were walking back to the bus from the state fair, and uh, you were looking at a motorcycle, and I was looking at a lady that was topless because she was changing shirts. Oh, that was non-consensual viewing. From her standpoint, it would have been. <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, McAllister That's a great said, example, Kenny. That was really good. Yeah, oh, he's going, look at this. <laughs> look at this chopper. <laughs> Not what? agreed uh, to by one or more of the people involved. We recognize and support the value and importance of artistic expression, including provocative art used in protest and activism, McAllister said. Therefore, the exhibit will remain open. We also recognize community impact and understand the pieces in the exhibition have caused harm to members of our Muslim community. And boy, does the world ever need somebody to say, go bleep yourself. McAllister declined to answer further questions about the complaints raised. On Monday, when the Sahan Journal visited the gallery in McAllister's Fine Arts Building, the black curtains were gone. Several pieces of purple construction paper lined the double glass doors. Two signs were taped to the doors. One provided a content warning. The other, a student-made flyer asking people not to attend the exhibit and provided a QR code with a link to a petition. Hmm. I can't read this whole thing. Ikran Noor. The junior American studies major who started the petition, kind of ironic, she's an American studies major, but still hasn't really grasped it. You know, we show stuff like this. Right. Uh, who started the petition said she is one of the few students at McAllister who wears a hijab. She said she supported much of the artwork, but wished the college would take down some of the more explicit pieces. I think a lot of it is really proactive and really supportive of the Iranian women's movement. 
Ikran said, but the ones that are partially depicting hijabi women and niqabi women, I think those should be put down. Uh, whatever, I don't know. In a phone interview, Talapsand, 43, the artist, reacted to the weekend closure in the black curtains that temporarily covered the glass walls of the exhibit, calling it censorship. She understood the decision to shut down the exhibit for a weekend, she said, and asked for a content warning to be put up. But leaving the petition on the door of the exhibit was a violation, she said. Uh, the artist said, I think it would be reasonable to demand the frosted decals and the petition be removed. Uh, McAllister's decision to keep the art up with a content warning that left both Muslim students and the artist dissatisfied. But the decision has not erupted into a scandal yet. <laughs> Are you familiar with Robert Maplethorpe's self-portrait? Yes, I am. <laughs> the bullwhip? Vaguely. I wonder oh, God. if they put that next to one of these sculptures, which one would be more <laughs> offensive to them? Because this Maplethorpe thing leaves nothing to the imagination. And it's a bit of a shock if you're not ready. The failed academy <laughs> is greatly helped by Muslim students to bring down the failure of the academy. Because what the it's... Muslim students do is open the failed academy to whole new ways of being offended. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. 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 Whole new ways. That the, like... that the failed academy is just a bunch of prematurely gray-haired white women. Oh, so we didn't think, we didn't think have, of that. Right. I have the analogy. It's like putting a turbo on wokeism. Yes. <laughs> just yes. bam, put to the yeah. floor. <laughs> They've given the failed academy... <laughs> Dozens of new reasons <laughs> yes. to point out how children are discomfited by seeing a, an Iranian breast or something. I don't and know what we're looking at here. Turn to the art world, mm -hmm. which has reveled in the offensive. Well, uh, one drawing shows Talapasans, that's the artist shows Telepasan's mother standing with the woman who funded her education. A phallic arch looms above the women. The descriptive gallery label that accompanies the drawing explains that this arch represents the shadow of male power. What is it, like a, a sword fight thing going on? Kenny, uh, <laughs> Kenny, I... <laughs> Another painting created directly on a sheet of Iranian riles. Wait a minute now. Hold on. Another Better painting pre -re -pre created directly on a sheet of Iranian reels, R-I-A-L-S, riles, that have been dosed with LSD, shows a woman slaying a white demon. Well, what other color could there be right. for a demon? Medieval Persian manuscripts show a male hero slaying the demon. Some of the edge, some of the edge, some of the images. I said edges. Yep. Some of the edges. Yes. Some of the images are yet more provocative. One graphite and watercolor drawing shows a man beheading two women. Oh. An egg tempura painting called Mohammed Meets Jesus shows a teddy bear with a Ken doll. 
an allusion to the Sudanese teddy bear blasphemy case. Well, you remember that case, don't yeah, you? Yeah, vividly. Remember that, Kenny? That Sudanese <clears throat> teddy bear blasphemy oh, case? I'll never, clear. ever forget God, it. God, that, that was, was earth-shattering. It was amazing. It really I was. Stunned. was. Stunned. And some graphite drawings show the bodies of Muslim women wearing hijabs or niqabs, clothing that is usually meant to preserve modesty. Two drawings titled Blasphemy 10 and the Blasphemy 9 show a niqab, N-I-Q-A-B. How would you pronounce it? Niqab. Niqab, yeah, niqab. Niqab-clad woman pulling up her robe to reveal lingerie underneath. A series of... Va-va-voom. Joe would ain't be looking at the car. You, ain't nothing you couldn't see in a Ward's catalog. Uh, and pulling up to reveal lingerie, a series of porcelain sculptures show women who are entirely covered with a kneecap except for exposed, exaggerated breasts. Well, now we're talking. Here we go. Nikon, the, the student who bitched. Found out about the art exhibition from another student, but withheld judgment until she saw the art for herself. She did not attend the exhibition, but saw the art in an exhibit catalog. Okay. So this Mm. character hasn't even gone into the gallery, but saw the pictures in a catalog. And she said, I felt just objectified to be honest i felt degraded and dehumanized maybe why did you go to McAllister then maybe that's the point that's what art does art can do many things yeah uh the exhibition just feels a bit targeting because there's not been any that many muslim students here ikran said at a predominantly white institution, when I'm looking at who's attending the Other school, way. who's walking this exhibit, without understanding it, why don't you? Well, go somewhere where there's more Muslim kids, then. Yeah. I guess all the kids are arriving at the conclusion that uh, it's okay so long as you put up the warning. Boy, the Sahan Journal doesn't cheat you in copy. This is about no. 19 no. pages long. Right. They, uh, they, they put the time in. They're yep. putting the ink. They're Actual journalists ink. is what they are. Mm-hmm. They got her. Is he good now? The email from Lisa Anderson-Levy, McAllister's exec, executive vice president and provost. Anderson-Levy. And Alina Wong, the vice president for institutional equity. Okay. There's a made-up job mm-hmm. title. How do you get that review every acknowledges year? the disrespect, disregard, and invisibility. See, this, this no one was happier than Lisa Anderson Dash Levy. Well, she had something to do that day. She was ju- her job was just somebody pointed out a new way to <laughs> yeah, be offended. You're, you're right. Yay! I get to fire off emails and everything and pretend that I'm actually working. Right. No one was happier than old Lisa. And so she comes up with uh Disrespect, disregard, and invisibility. The many mu- she's got a little guidebook for all that. Got it. That many Muslim <laughs> students expressed about the art exhibit. The administrators also recognized that other members of the Muslim community found powerful protest and support in Taravat Talapasan's work. That threw Lisa for a loop there. She got counteracted. She didn't know what to do. She went back in her <laughs> office. As a community, we can hold both of these responses in honor. The many interpretations of the exhibition, the email reads, unfortunately, as the Teravat exhibition was installed, 
We did not take the steps needed to demonstrate cultural sensitivity and awareness of the possible impact of art. For this and for the harm it caused, we apologize. That's the, that's the director of institutional equity. Mm. Happiest woman on campus. <laughs> uh, I guess the... Uh, you know who's got the sanest view of, of them all? Hmm. Uh, the artist. Well, yeah, well, I've, I would expect nothing less. She's trying to defend her art. Sounds like a bunch of BS to me either way. My artwork is unapologetic, yeah. she said. I'd have to see it. And and if I could do it, if I could paint what she's painted, in other words, if it was really bad, then it's not art because I could do it. Right. If, if well, I can do it, it's not art. <laughs> Remember the guy who built a yeah. patio and called it a hanging? I, Thing, uh, yeah, uh, where was that? A Dakota symbolic, uh, the stage oh, yes. where Dakota yes. were. Well, hell, he went to Menards and he, you know, got the plans to build a deck. Well, I can do this. <laughs> right. That ain't art. Well, it's not art. Well, they still caved you, on it. They you could hire somebody. You could hire somebody yeah. to do it. You could supervise. You know what got my attention, and, and now I feel I need to see it too. Uh, the term "exaggerated breasts." Yeah, I'm in. You want to know more about the artist? Got it's it. kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Talapasand, an assistant professor of art practice <laughs> at Portland State University, that's got to be a failed academy, was born in Oregon to Iranian parents in 1979, the year of Iran's Islamic Revolution. Her work is displayed in museums in L.A., San Francisco, and Boston. <clears throat> she has held exhibitions in New York, Spain, the U.K., Belgium, and Turkey. My artwork is unapologetic, she said in a phone interview. I'm making work that's finding the similarities, not just differences, between East and West and how, in a lot of ways, they parallel. Sometimes it can be political, sometimes it can be controversial, but I do firmly believe that art can promote these conversations. Well, I think the artist sounds like she's on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yep. Talapasan spent a week in Minnesota installing the exhibit, speaking with students and classes who came to see the art. On opening night, she described a large turnout of students, faculty, and artists from okay. the community. Talapasan was able to answer questions about the artwork from community members who attended. She also shared details of the meticulous practice and craft that went into creating her paintings and drawings. It was really a great celebratory night, she said. I had women from Morocco, Egypt, Iranians who were there to support my work. Uh, okay, Talibasan used the exhibition platform to be a voice and to share the awareness of what's happening in Iran, but not only in Iran, but what is happening here. You can't get farther from Iran than Grand and Snelling. <laughs> That's true. Really? That's true. That's true. Grand and Snelling. That's about as far away as you can get. Uh, we're still fighting for female autonomy, and it's very much a conversation that is happening in many other countries. Why didn't why didn't why did Hamlin even bother to do anything? They they should have just said, "Hey, we got this famous artist; she's going to install her stuff, and then go bleep yourself right. if you don't like it." Right. Well, yeah. Well, they can't do that because they're a failed academy, and no. they do have people in charge of institutional and international equity. No, but they is. As frequent as 10 years ago, they would have done that, Joe. Yeah. Even five years ago, they would have said that. My hat's off to this Sahan Journal. My God, when they cover something, they cover something. It yep. gets covered. Yep. They got the content warning now, but I don't think the artist likes the content warning. She agreed to that. 
but got really mad when she found out about the curtains. Yeah, and the flyer with the Q code. <laughs> she actually uh, requested the con the consent label, and uh, it should be on the door. The door should be closed so people can always read the consent to enter first. I got more on the exaggerated breast, but it's way above your pay grade, and mine. The artist said the sculpture showing exaggerated bare breasts of Nakabi women invoked the Venus of Willendorf, a Paleolithic statuette from 25,000 to 30,000 years ago, considered one of the oldest surviving works of art. But she said they also serve as a commentary on the culture of body modification surgery in the Middle East. Some studies show that Iran has one of the highest rates of cosmetic surgery in the world. Let me stop right there. Go. My view of Iran is that it's it's war-torn, yeah. uh, that people are uh, scraping their way to a living, that... Uh, There's burned-out shells of cars everywhere. They're That's under, what I uh, They're Rusting. under dictatorship. They're under religious police. They're under yeah, this. Yeah. But they have one of the highest rates of body modification surgery in the Middle East. Hey, but nobody... Where do yeah. they get the money... What what the hell is that? Who, but who can enjoy it? Yeah, I was going to say, and for whom are you modifying? Yeah. Sergeant Clinker who's going to come down and whip you? <laughs> I know nothing. Oh, that's Schultz. She explained Sorry. that her graphite drawings of a woman pulling up her kneecap to expose lingerie are based on an Iranian writer and rock and roll groupie, Roxana Shirazi who wrote a book called The Last Living Slut, Born in Iran, Raised oh. Backstage. Whoa. Shirazi gave Talib Sand permission to create art a, based on images of Shirazi from her book, a Talib good girl. said. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. <laughs> what I really wanted to highlight in this work is that there are women who were raised in a Muslim society and a Muslim household that have been sexually abused and have had sexual trauma, and that's in this book, Talib Hassan oh, said. Here's a woman... That is taking power in her body, that autonomy we are talking about today. Okay, so far 80 people have signed Ikran's position. Ikran's the original student who complained. So uh, Ikran says uh, uh, that she's she thinks this is pretty harmful. And uh, it's not like I'm saying no one should see the art, she said, but take it elsewhere. As an institution, you have the right to say, we don't want to be associated with this sort of thing. Well, yeah, lady, but apparently the college did want to be associated with it. Right. Talapasan said that in the future, she would make sure to have a consent label and encourage conversation for groups that might have strong reactions to her art. She is glad the students are expressing themselves and hopes... The controversy leads to more discussion about art and censorship. My work is talking about really hard conversations about being a woman. That's what, just what it is. And I'd rather be making that conversation than some white man. Oh, so, mm, so I can't like it. Oh, so there you um, go. God, these academies are so the destroyed. Big, They're the just big, so big, destroyed. Joe, but Joe, you keep in mind the big, 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 big winner here, the artist. The artist is, is a big winner, and the is, yeah, uh, the director great. of international equity. She yeah. found some new ways to be pissed off. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's just amazing. I, 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 uh, why don't you take a break? I'd I like got, to read I you an email, if that's okay. You may. Is it Jermaine? 
to what you were just talking about? That's what you're mean. Nine. It is not German. No, but it's about what it's the email is regarding <laughs> something I'm going to bring up. Oh, from you. Oh, this email is from Joe. Yeah. Says Such, I got a question about Keller Tax Services for the Dummies. I just try to do my own taxes and now wonder if any of the GL tax experts like you or Kenny can answer this question. I live in Minnesota. Can I identify as living in, I don't know, Alaska or Florida? Why not? Yeah, uh, no, I, I can answer this. Um, it has to be a neighboring state. Oh. So in this case, you would want South, South Dakota. Dakota. You yes. identify as a South Dakota. And then that, that'll be just fine. Yeah. Mail it in that way. So there you, you might go. have to write it on the margins, yeah. but yeah. don't worry. It'll go through. Yeah. So there you go, Joe, for me. You can just identify as South Dakota and then make a call to Linda Keller from Keller Tax Services, a diehard GLer. I think she's going to give you some different advice. She will give you much different <laughs> advice than the likes of us will do because she's been doing this for over 20 years and she prepares all types of returns for all types of professions and businesses. She has also perfected the virtual tax appointment. It's safe document exchange options that both include encrypted and secure, and it's the confidence of a professional with the convenience of staying right at home. So you can book your appointment by phone, 320-352-0013, or visit her website, which is uh, right here, kellertaxservice.com. KellerTaxService.com. If you go online, you can book your appointment right there. She is fantastic. She's a GLer. You should use her like I'm going to. 320-352-0013. Please let Linda know that you heard about her services right here on the Garage Logic Podcast. Okay, you math nerds, help me out here. 2023 20, minus 1985. Uh, 2023, 20, 1985. 38 eight is. 38. I give up. 38 years strong. You're right, Such. You won. Air Mechanical has been around and serving the entire Metro Twin Cities area for 38 years for their heat, heating, cooling, plumbing, all the electrical needs. They can also help with drain cleaning, duct cleaning, and indoor air quality. Uh, air mechanical, from general maintenance to full installations, they've got you covered. Uh, we're talking furnace, boilers, heat pumps, garage heaters, more. Uh, air mechanical employs top trained professionals in the state of Minnesota, and they operate with full integrity. They do things the right way the first time, and that doesn't necessarily mean the easy way. You've got to give them a shout for any heating, cooling, or plumbing needs you might have. You can call or book online, thinkami.com. Again, write it down. That's thinkami.com. Thanks, Kenny. Just a little info on your uh, what we reported at um, Harding High School. We didn't. We, did, we weren't yeah. on the air. Oh, we weren't on the air for that? No. Do we want to mention that? Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. A report of a stabbing at Harding High School. The victim, believed to be a student, has reportedly stopped breathing at the scene. Security at the school has secured a knife from the suspect, who is also reportedly a student, and the, student is, and the suspect is detained. 
That's great. I wonder what that fight was about. Mm-hmm. Damn. Who's your nugget master? <laughs> you are the mayor. His number is unlisted. I oh, got wait. I was thinking something else. I got your Super Bowl nuggets. I don't know if Tim got me brand new ones or if some of these have been heard before. They one on me. <laughs> huh? They're all out of date. <laughs> the first Super Bowl was televised simultaneously on two networks. I do know. I do remember that. NBC had the right to air NFL ga- I'm sorry, AFL games, while CBS had the rights for NFL games, and both felt they had the right to televise the Super Bowl. Tensions were so high. How high were they? A fence had to be built between CBS and NBC production trucks to keep everyone separate. Really? Wow. Kurt Gowdy and Paul Christman were in the NBC booth. Ray Scott and Frank Gifford were in the CBS booth. Green Bay won the game, but NBC won the ratings battle. Mm. Does it have the number? No. Oh, I'd be curious. Max McGee of the Packers was a backup. And did not expect to see much action <laughs> in Super Bowl One, so he stayed out all night in L.A. and was clearly overserved. <laughs> and he was uh, uh, Boyd Dowler, who was ahead of McGee on the depth chart, was hurt on the second play of the game. So, despite being hung over, McGee went in to catch seven passes for 138 yards and scored two touchdowns. Wow. To lead the Packers to victory, which pretty much blows up any theory about alcohol you can come up with. Right, right. In 1972, President Richard Nixon called in a play to Miami coach Don Shula about a pass route route for Paul Warfield. Shula went with Nixon's call, but the Dallas Cowboys stuffed it. That was the beginning of a bad two years for Nixon. Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) Reavers will not want to miss the opening of this year's Super Bowl. The flyover features F-A-18F fighter jets, which were seen in the newest Top Gun movie. The flight crews this year will be all female to celebrate 50 years of women flying in the U.S. Navy. Born female and stayed female? I think so. The coin toss will feature four Pat Tillman scholars. Tillman played for the Arizona... State and for uh, Arizona Cardinals before enlisting the Army, and he was killed in Afghanistan in 04. Friendly fire, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. Buying an expensive Super Bowl does not guarantee success for your company. Buying a successful Super Bowl ad, I should say. One of the biggest advertisers in last year's Super Bowl was a cryptocurrency company called FTX, their ad featured Larry David as a sad sack who doubted new ideas like cryptocurrencies. Well, he was right. The tagline <laughs> at the end was, don't be like Larry. It turns out you should have been like Larry. <laughs> FTX filed for bankruptcy 10 months later, and billions of dollars of customer funds are still unaccounted for. FTX owner Sam Bankman-Fried currently faces multiple criminal charges. And there's only one thing about that I'm, I'm guaranteed to know for a fact. Larry David got his money. Oh, yeah, for sure, right. (laughs) Perhaps the strangest halftime show occurred in Miami in 1989. It wasn't us. I I don't recall this. It featured an Elvis impersonator named Elvis Presto, who did not actually (laughs) perform any Elvis songs. The show also had a theme problem. It featured a large-scale card trick, pink Cadillacs, and 102 custom-made Harley-Davidsons. This was the first halftime show to feature 3D technology. 
Prior to the game, Coca-Cola distributed 26 million 3D glasses at retailers for viewers to use. Unfortunately, the actual home viewing audience was more than three times that number. The title of this halftime disaster was Bebop Bamboozled in 3D. And that pretty much says it all. Wow. I remember that. That was the Niners and the Bengals. Miami redeemed itself in 2007. When Prince, Prince took the stage and showed the world how you do a halftime show. His set list included We Will Rock You, Let's Go Crazy, Baby I'm a Star, Proud Mary, All Along the Watchtower, and Purple Rain. And yes, it was raining heavily as Prince performed in the open-air stadium. Perhaps God was watching the Super Bowl that night, which reminds me of the great line Prince had when his people came to him and said, oh, God, what are we going to do? It's raining. It's raining. And Prince said, can you make it rain harder? Which is a great line. Mm-hmm. And that was the year he saw Sid and said, hello, Mr. Hartman. Because <laughs> Prince would have known who Sid of was. Course. Of course. Yeah, Minneapolis kid. That's right. That that uh, Sid column was on the breakfast table. And remember that <laughs> Prince Rogers Nelson was a huge Vikings fan. He was. Yeah, Timberwolves. But but I'm just like football, so he was, you know, He was a sports fan. Yeah. Well, then when he became goofy, you didn't see him at any sporting events. But I still, that's one of my favorite stories when Bobby Hagen Hagen brings uh, Prince or uh, Sid to Prince. I love that. It's so charming. And I I think that this, seriously, I think this is Bob's last official duty. Because doesn't he usually work the Super Bowl for the NFL? Because he's retiring from the Vikings. I, I didn't know. even know that. Yeah. I was an intern with him at CARE 11. Great. One of the greatest human beings He's ever. He's wonderful. Bob Hagen's a great guy. Only. Yep. Wait, wait, wait. In the last election, 13 counties in Minnesota voted for Governor Walls. They better not be part of the new state. Counties. Such, I don't know what to do about the dividing line. Well, you've got to work on it. <laughs> uh, from what I and I'm sorry to sacrifice you conservatives in the far eastern edge of the state, but now I'm thinking 35 e or I 35 right up to really? Dakota, right out? up to, yeah, right up to uh, Dakota County, and then over through I, I don't know, are we going to split Scott and Carver? Yeah, I'd have to. Yeah, you are. We're going to have to split Scott and Carver, go up uh, the edge, the western edge of Hennepin, up to around I don't know. Rogers, maybe, yeah, and then back over to thirty-five, and then all the way up, and go straight up because you know, St. Louis County, Lake County, Cook County, they were strong for the Democrats. Well, keep yeah, Duluth. So we're going to go. keep the whole Arrowhead, the whole BWCBABWBWBATC with three Un- votes. They got to be banned. Am I out in South St. Paul? You and yeah, Suits are screwed. out. We're you're screwed. out. Am I, am I making the cut? I'm not a, making any promises to you, Chris. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, and John is out, too. Jeez. Well, it doesn't bother him. So then what do we do about where do we put the uh, the capital, the new state capital? Well, because I don't think we should join the Dakotas. I think we should uh, secede and start a 51st state. We should stand alone. In, in an extremely small town. Roseau County was the heaviest uh, voting county for uh, uh, Jensen, 49.96% of the vote. Well, maybe Roso's the new capital. Way up there where it's good and cold. Yeah, yeah. We'll put it in uh, an abandoned storefront or something right on Main Street. 
only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mpumalanga, South Africa, from the Traveling Limans at WorldWideWaftage.com. It was on this day, Feb 10, in 1763, in the treaty ending the French and Indian War, France transferred to Britain the territory that later became Minnesota. On this day in 1806, Two, one, zero. Let's go. Lieutenant Zebulon M. Pike, exploring the upper Mississippi Territory included in the recent Louisiana Purchase, arrived at the Northwest Company post on Leech Lake. Licensed from the British Union, uh, licensed in, oh, incensed that the British Union Jack still flew there, he ordered it shot down and replaced it with the Stars and Stripes. Pike was something of an ingrate, however, as he enjoyed the hospitality of the post both before and after the incident. British fur posts remained in the region until the end of the war in 1812. Until the end of the war of 1812. And finally, on this day in 1971, February 10th, about 250 demonstrators in Minneapolis protested the Vietnam War with a march from the University of Minnesota campus to the federal building on Washington Avenue, where they threw a few snowballs and then dispersed to distribute leaflets and get into raps with people about the war. Huh. <laughs> hey, man. What year? Hey, my brother, what you think about the war? Like that kind yeah, of rap? Hey, Did we, you join? Were you part of the I protests? I might have been rapping. I bet. Might have been rapping. <laughs> Dropping a beat? Yeah, I could rap. Hey, man, what about that now? Hey, man. What an embarrassment. My God. GLers, thank you. Harding High School kids. What are we going to call the new state? What am I going to tell you? What are we going to call the new state? You've got a lot of work to do, Kenny. This is your baby. You want to take us apart. Who's the most offensive person ever from Minnesota? We'll name it after him. Wes Walls. Or what's his name? Tim Walls. We can't name our new state Walls. That's true. Can we just name it pissed off? Yeah. We're done. Is that doable? How about PodMN, YouTube, Muslim Art, Facebook, Muslim Art, Garage Logic Council? You can sign up at garagelogic.com, right? Yes. I'm getting word that it was a uh, could be a sophomore that lost uh, their life today. Male or female? Do not know. Man. Do not know. Uh, yeah. It is time once again to check in with our guy, Mr. Money Talk. Josh Arnold is on the line with us once again here in Garage Logic, and now's the time for you to do the same. So pick up the phone and make that call for that free 48-minute financial consultation by dialing 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. You call that number and you get Josh, and you're always going to get straight talk. You are never going to get sugar-coated advice, and Josh Josh is with us once again. And Josh, today you would like to touch on artificial intelligence and the Super Bowl. Now somebody's going to, going to say artificial intelligence in the Super Bowl. There's going to be somebody that's going to be using chat GPT or BARD or some other named company that's affiliated with Microsoft, Google, Alibaba, or Baidu to try to figure out a way that they can beat the odds that they're laying down either through Barstool Sports or DraftKings or 
FanDuel through the company called Flutter or using MGM bets or even going to Caesars Palace and placing a bet on their their sports sports book to out we'll say to outbox the bookmakers and collect a little bit of money. Well, it's Super Bowl weekend and the Super Bowl is taking place in Arizona where guess what online sports betting is legal. FanDuel owned by Flutter, which is a British British company, is looking, I do believe the number is 17, not million, but 17 billion in bets placed for the Super Bowl. DraftKings is looking for, I'm not sure, a similar number, but they're looking for a large, we'll say, handle, most of which is going to be small bets placed. DraftKings has found Super Bowl weekend is when they add a lot of new customers. Now, adding new customers does cost a bit of money. I have seen that DraftKings is going to show one or two ads at the Super Bowl, and this year those ads cost $7 million apiece for a 30-second spot. That's a lot of dough placed for an ad on the Super Bowl, and it is it is a new record in terms of advertising. There are, in looking at the list of advertisers for the Super Bowl, Pepsi-Cola seems to dominate uh, the list of advertisers either directly when you see a Pepsi ad or we'll say indirectly through one of their many uh, subsidiaries or owned entities, including Frito-Lay. Pepsi, by the way, did report earnings, which were a little bit better than expected, but Pepsi's CEO said still see signs of inflation, which guess what? means the cost of your Pepsi-Cola is going to go up. That's a wait and see. I'm not a, somebody can say, you're not a Pepsi drinker, Josh. You're a Coca-Cola drinker. That is true. Coke is also going to have some ads there. And it is interesting, the number of different advertisers there, including one from a company called Dexcon, which has a medical device to chart and check your diabetes levels. Very interesting device. And Dexcom also reported uh, their earnings another beat quarter. Speaking of doing better, we'll go back to the gambling companies. MGM reported one of their better quarters, although their EPS number was lighter than had been expected. MGM stock is up on that news plus the news that they're being allowed to add 200 more tables at their Macau Resort. MGM is still about $10 a share under their last high, and they've kind of moved very slowly and steadily, but they are one of the dominant players at Las Vegas, along with Caesars, which reports their earnings next week. Wynn Resorts, also having a fairly popular sports book, uh, hit a recent recent high on the backs of better numbers, and they were boarding some very good numbers in Las Vegas. One of the things that is interesting, at least in my view, is the concept of life is too short. So anything related to leisure and hospitality has been outperforming other types of stocks and other sectors of the economy. As to artificial intelligence, it's going to be a little bit long before those companies are profitable, but the use of artificial intelligence is tremendous. And you already see that use in whether it be Microsoft using it to get an inroad into search and try to have their Bing product compete better with Google or with 
Apple or Amazon or Spotify and trying to help you identify products or services that you might like. But that's just the early on with this. little company called CA3 is working with government contractors on developing AI for the Air Force, among other products. These companies involved in artificial intelligence are expensive on both the price to earnings if they have any, and price the sales, and they are very volatile. So be careful right now, speculative category. Bet well, my friends. Very good advice, Mr. Money Talk. You heard him, GLers. Now's the time for you to pick up the phone and make that call for that free 48-minute financial consultation by dialing 952-925-5608, where you're always going to get straight talk and you're never going to get sugar-coated advice. Josh, once again, thank you so much for the time and the chat. Have a great rest of your day and a fantastic weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. We'll see how my eagles do. Fantastic. See ya. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Chris Reavers is a paid endorser.